0: Right, you know what that sound means. I am Mitch Maley with the Bradenton Times Podcast. I am joined by Don Kitterman, and our guest this week is David Levin. David is running for Bradenton City Council, and it's Ward 2. Ward 2, yeah, so Mary Ann Barnaby is the incumbent there. And uh, David, you initially were going to run for school board, correct? Yeah, I have a lot of interest there. And then the, the district changed because of the, the rezoning that happens after the census, and you were zoned out of the district that you were
1: going to run in. Uh, so what made you think about running for city council? Garbage pickup ah. is just that simple. It's, for me, it's like a basic function of a city, right? is uh, being able to remove recycling, garbage, all that stuff in a timely manner. And uh, it wasn't getting done. It's still barely kind of getting done they're just well we're in the city of Bradenton
0: here the offices and I've never lived in a city I've always had the county's uh services but the garbage situation at our office has often been very challenged we've often had to call to say hey nobody's picked up our garbage again this week can you send somebody by so we feel your pain on that one
1: yeah I, I actually I just I don't call I just go to Lena myself you know and end up paying the $20 to dump and, um, you know, I, I like it. It's, um, it's fulfilling in a way. It's nice to see the facilities that keep them pristine out there. And it's, um, it's good to see what what the county's got going on. Right. You know? Yeah, the
0: Lena Road facility is, is actually highly efficient. It's, it's odd how they can have that kind of buried out in a kind of rural area. And you don't really know that it's behind all that until you get out there. Um, so let's talk a little bit about your background. Now, one of the things that is obviously going to come up in a campaign is that you do have an arrest for, uh, what I think would best be described as white hat hacking. And that's for people that aren't uh, um, informed on that. It's sort of like when a lot of times computer people will hack into systems in order to prove their vulnerabilities. Um, We've seen a lot of different kinds of stunts like that over the years. And yours was for an election system. Can you tell us a little bit more about how that happened?
1: Sure. I actually just submitted an affidavit to use that as my nickname, White Hat. Ah. <laughs> so, thank you. Um, you got it. Yeah. Um, so I had been working in and around elections since about 2012. I was earning a policy, a master's in policy. And it's one of those things where I was learning a lot and I wanted to, you know, get my hands dirty and start earning a little bit of money. And so I started working on campaigns at the very bottom, like field stuff, mm-hmm. like door-to-door clipboard $15 an hour, um, and then I eventually worked my way up to like campaign finance, and I'm helping doing call time and um, yeah, managing call time for the most part, pulling donor records, I just I started getting very close to the election systems where I was like, well, this isn't very efficient, I wonder if I can do it better myself, I want to look, uh, at the same time I was taking some online courses on, on how to use these tools that I actually ended up using to um, do the penet- penetration test, which is hacking. Is a penetration test. So I was, a lot of things were kind of coalescing at the same time. You know, my interest in elections, I was moving up the chain of command, getting closer to the systems, thinking I could do it. So my ego definitely got the best of me. I wanted to see what was going on. And I took a look, and it was okay right to that point. Everything's kosher. Um, You're allowed to see, uh, you know, what kind of systems they're using. Are they running Linux or Windows and all that um, kind of nuts and bolts stuff. But what I found when I was looking at that stuff were tables of passwords, usernames, passwords, challenge questions, mm. the answers to those, those, uh, those questions. And um, where I really screwed up was testing that because that's where the attempt is. That's where the, the successful attempt actually was. Um, and,
2: and so was this something, <clears throat> excuse me, was this something that you were caught doing or you brought it to the attention of the entity that you had done. So
1: I, um, I brought it to their attention. Like as soon as I did, I was wondering, you know, oh, I'm really curious if you can imagine just finding that being like, I wonder if it works, if it's maybe it's outdated. And then you're thinking to yourself, all right, well, maybe I'll test it. I know it's probably not the right thing to do. And then I, you know, bang out a few keys on the keyboard and then I get an immediate feeling, oh, I shouldn't have done that <laughs> like immediately. And then, um, so I, I, you know, I did look around and then I, next thing I did pick up the phone and I dialed like, Four or five people who I thought might have an interest might be able to help fix this because there's no like 911 for hacking or right. for finding something so like.
0: Explain that. a little more clearly what you found.
1: Right. So, um, I was just kind of probing around, and and this is what system again, too. This this is, is the Lee County election. Lee website. County. Okay.
0: So you used to live down in yeah.
1: Naples area. Yeah. Um, okay. Fort Myers. Fort Myers. Okay.
2: And so this is through the Supervisor of Elections, like a main hub, so all this- party affiliate is
1: yeah and you know that's some of the stuff that you can see there um understood and um and so it was the lee county system i got into i called lee county so you found that elections. it was very easy to get into their system two minutes okay yeah. wow yeah and like like someone much younger and like less savvy could savvy. have yeah. still done like that other side of the world got it could have done it um and so two minutes i was in and then i um, spending the next half an hour trying to figure out who to contact mm-hmm. um, you know there was the Supervisor of Elections Office themselves I called a local reporter um, who I didn't get in touch with because he was boarding a plane we figured that out later um, and uh I forget there were, there were people who were running for the Supervisor of Elections um office and uh and so and and the reporters eventually they they are very interested in this but, of course, I told Lee County how to fix it. Like, I, I told them this is a problem. This is how to fix it. Do it, like, as soon as possible. And they did. They were, you know, and the next time a reporter came around and said, well, could you show us what you did? I'm like, oh, look, they, they fixed it. And they're like, well, what about the division of elections? And it wasn't a thought I ever had. <laughs> ah. And, and um, I was like, oh, yeah, that's a really good question. And then I was, like, shocked that I got in. It was, it was just as vulnerable. Actually, it was worse. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So what happened with that? There were tables of like social security numbers. Wow. Yeah. Um, I did not go into those tables. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was on camera the whole time. Um, but there was a lot more information on that, on that end. Yeah. So how did you end up getting charges then? (sighs) I mean, I made a, I made a lot of noise about this. Okay. I, I, I originally, I was thinking about running for supervisor of elections and then I ended up kind of meeting the guy, um, he was running against the supervisor, the incumbent, incumbent. And, um, and I just kind of ended up working with him instead of running my own campaign, I, you know, a lot of the candidates, they're, they're very charismatic, mm-hmm. they're not necessarily the best guys in the world, but, right, you know, right. the, and, um, you know, he pulled the, the wool over my eyes, and, um, yeah, so I ended up, you know, affiliating with him, more or less, and that, that was probably where I really started going off in the wrong direction. I think, was I probably could have handled it less politically, Mm -hmm. maybe even gotten away with doing some press, but not making as much of a political, uh, not making as much political noise and probably wouldn't have gotten in as
2: much trouble. May may I ask just to clarify a couple things? Because I've obviously read about this and heard about this uh, back when you announced your candidacy for the school board. There was some coverage locally. So can you clarify for me from what you've said just now? So. Were you initially motivated to do this because you were working for someone's campaign or were you motivated because you believed there to be vulnerabilities you were trying to uncover? I thought that some of the um,
1: consultants that worked in the Lee County area had a track record that was probably like a little too good as far as getting candidates across the finish line. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I thought that was suspicious. I thought, oh, look, there could be something there. And then I also thought, well, I can also build a, simpler, um, a simple voting system, something that's, that doesn't you know, get broken or it's unhackable. And, and those were really kind of the thoughts that led up to it. I had met the candidates, and like I said, I had actually even thought about working um, or running for Supervisor of Elections. It was really a lot of ego.
2: So, so none of it was motivated by trying to gain any particular candidate in Lee County, any sort of no I, advantage. I thought, I thought that,
1: that there were advantages happening. There were like voters falling off the rolls, large blocks. You know, where's mm-hmm. our? You know, we're not registered here. Now they're on a provisional ballot. Doesn't get counted necessarily oh, wow. until later, right? Yeah, all that kind of stuff happened um, was happening down there, including. Like and what year was this? 2015. Okay. 2014. These were the years leading up to. Right, because right. what I did, I did it in uh, December 2015, and it kind of bled over to January 2016, so it's more of a 2015, 2016 okay. thing.
2: Yeah. May I ask how
1: old you were sure. at the time? Uh, just maybe 29, 30, 31 in those years, yeah. So just, just trying to, like, end of my 20s, making the, getting the mistakes out of my sister. So then at
0: some point, who comes after you?
1: Um, The, the supervisor elections. The incumbent supervisor yeah, she, elections. she, she picks okay. up the phone starts calling. You know, the sheriff's like, I'm not touching this. Right, right. <laughs> you know, and uh, you know eventually she gets Yeah to because in, a lot you know, of people right? are
0: looking at it saying well if i get my fingerprints on it then my political eh, there it, could be it, a lot of conflicts of interest there potentially
1: It's hard to figure out what people are... going like politically what's going through their minds in any right. given time but yeah for sure that's And part it is of it. it's
0: an odd thing when you know it's it's maybe one of the flaws in our system that the people who are kind of the de facto regulatory agencies of a lot of things are also elected officials themselves. So they're, they have two hats. They're, they're these sort of executives administering a system, and then they're politicians. <laughs> yeah,
1: and that's not necessarily... Running and being a good campaigner isn't necessarily... Right, right. ...make you a the, good the, system. They're often, in fact,
0: <laughs> often sort of mutually exclusive, in my experience, in terms of people's personalities.
1: Yeah, yeah. So how much
0: trouble did you wind up getting
1: in? So I ended up dodging a lot of trouble. It, was, okay. it started out pretty bad. Um, I was scared. You know, three felonies is nothing to be like, oh. Sure. Well, you know? So you got charged with three felonies. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they were coming after me. Um, but because they were coming after me, and they didn't really have the full story, discovery hadn't come out, interviews, and, and all that stuff hadn't really happened. And once that started to happen, and they're like, oh, he's, he's telling the truth every time, on every question, um, you know, he wasn't in there prior to when he came out and said he was in there. That was like a big one because their investigation had uh, turned up that, well, there was people in the system running around, traipsing around, weren't supposed to be there. That was a big one. Um, And then, you know, a lot of the negligence, you know, on the supervisors, you know, she hired people that weren't necessarily qualified to take care of those systems. Mm -hmm. And and this started coming out. And so as that started happening, you know, the tone started to change in a big way. And so they were- How did it end up getting resolved?
2: Um, two misdemeanors is okay. what I pled to. And that was September 2016. And okay. so they were able to verify that you had not been previously in there traipsing around, as you say.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think somehow they were able to tra- uh, figure that out. And, and this was like a big problem with their system was they weren't able to tell that whether it was or wasn't me because one of the ways they're mitigating what's called um, a denial of service attack is where you flood a website with so much traffic it shuts it down. Mm-hmm. So one of the ways they were mitigating these attacks was by – you know, sending everybody through a mirror and then everybody has the same IP address
0: after, yeah, after yeah. they
1: hit that. Right. Which isn't the best practice. Right. Because then you can't go back. Trace, and, yeah. Get you know, that. like there's only no need to even cover up your tracks with that kind of system. So, um, yeah, that was, they were like, you know, it could have been, I could have been in there prior to August, September, 2015. Right. That's when like, I started learning the, the tools that would have gotten me in there. But, you know, as it came out, it it wasn't, I didn't have the tools necessary or the knowledge to get in prior to Mm -hmm. that time. So, um, yeah, the tone totally changed when that stuff.
0: Now, since then, you've gone to law school?
1: Yeah, um, I went to law school, finished law school. And that was kind of started the same time as this was coming to a head. Okay. And so 2017, you know, 2016, everything kind of, you might look at my record and say, well, that's when. You know, he got in trouble, but 2017 was probably the roughest year of my life. Really? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, between school and then, you know, being in trouble to the, people see that. And you don't get the jobs that you might necessarily get. So you can't provide for your family the same way. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot of mounting kind of, you know, uh, pressure. So, um, you know, 2016, I was in a lot of trouble. 2017 was where I had to really start to rebuild myself. And um, law school was, um, it helped me do that.
0: Okay. So now you've got a law degree
1: and a master's degree. Yes. Excellent. Um, tell us a little bit more about your bio background. Where are you are from? Yeah, I started out, I was born in Connecticut. Um, I stayed there. I was in Connecticut. I was raised there until about 12. I went to military school, oh, wherever, whenever the eighth grade, uh, went to military school. Um, same place as Donald Trump. Some people might find that interesting. <laughs> where was that? At? Uh, New York military. Academy. Okay. Yeah. Um, since bought by the Chinese. Really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. I, I think that's still the, still the case. But um, New York Military Academy, I really got a bug. I was good at it. I needed the discipline and the direction. And so I would, um, would kind of like do the military after school activities uh, and got good at those too, to the point where people started kind of nudging me towards West Point. And mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, let's go to West Point. I can do that. Not really knowing exactly what is West Point, <laughs> yes, <laughs> which is really hard. It's right? a hard school. Um, and so by the time I had applied and gotten into the prep school, I was already five years in a military high school. So I was starting to kind of like meet my, uh, my threshold for, mm-hmm. uh, discipline and being yelled at for silly <laughs> stuff. So, um, I got into the prep school and it was a great year. I actually learned more that year than any other year in my life. I was never really that great at math and it, whatever, it just banged that out of me. And, um, you know, the prep school you get a recommendation to the commandant it's not a typical congressman's recommendation Mm. so i got the commandant's recommendation got into west point and then started to fizzle out you know pretty quickly academically it is tough
0: very rigorous yeah one of my cousins went another
1: one went to the prep school and then didn't enroll yeah and i um and and the writing was kind of on the wall i didn't want to get in trouble and get kicked out Mm -hmm. (laughs) and uh i was i had you're not allowed to have, like, relationships really there. It's hard to have a relationship at West Point. Uh, and I it was just 18, 19 years old. I was really getting interested in, in girls at that point. And so I picked up a magazine and found out what the number one party school was. And that was SUNY Albany. And I transferred there. And that's one of my bigger regrets because I probably could have gone somewhere else with, you know, West Point background. Mm-hmm. But I, I chose to go that way. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't learn anything for a few years. <laughs> I spent most of my time there, right. you know, um, catching up on what I had missed out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I got out of SUNY Albany, graduated, and it was the recession. It was like 2008. And, you know, law school was a conversation that I had, but it wasn't the right time, you mm-hmm. know. Um, so getting a job was. Uh, in the middle of this uh Sunny Albany undergrad experience. I, I I discovered that wow, this is a little too much freedom, and so I went to the reserves. And um, so I have some uh, background there with uh, ChemBio. I think you do too, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. I was um, a nuclear biological chemical weapons officer in of yeah. the army, and yeah. so they added radiological into that too. After oh, After okay. you got out, probably yeah. CBRN. And uh, so I went down to Fort Leonard Wood, spent some time down there. And I was uh,
0: actually in the next to last class when it was still at Fort uh, Aniston. I, I didn't even know that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It, it yeah. moved, they were literally shutting the post down um, in place while while they were closing it while we were there. Yeah, <laughs> like disassembling. Yeah. Like we're walking around and they're literally disassembling buildings. Yeah, I've been yeah. at a post. When that yeah, and then they, just, the they moved schools, it to Leonardwood, Okay. Um,
1: so uh, I used that background to get a job at LabCorp, um, mm-hmm. which is basically I was just pouring off specimens, and it wasn't anything glamorous. Um, but I was able to listen to as many audiobooks as I wanted, and. Uh, you know, it was like, it got to the point where I was like one a day or maybe, you know, one every couple of days. So I was, you know, I worked there for a few years and, um, you know, I just really, in a way that I had never been before, really became interested in um, politics. I had read a bunch of presidential biographies and, um, you know, I started to apply to master's programs uh, for mm-hmm. policy and that's kind of how I fell into that because I was just listening to a ton of audiobooks like every day and um, it became monotonous, you know, lab work pouring off blood, Mm -hmm. urine, all that kind of stuff. And um, so, um, yeah, started the policy program. And it was where was that at? That was SUNY Empire State College. And um, it was more or less uh, online, too. So it gave me a lot of time to kind of think about, do I want to go into the consulting business or policy and politics? And, you know, I was able to do that simultaneously, which Mm -hmm. is kind of where I um, picked up the story, which is, uh, I started, uh, working in policy and politics in 2012. Um, interestingly, you know, I, I saw very quickly, I didn't want to be in the field, you know, knocking yeah, yeah. on the doors and doing that stuff. And uh, so I started thinking of ways I can get into the finance side. Um, at that time, there was a lot of conversation. If you remember like corporations or people on election yeah, yeah. And pol- money and politics, and there was a lot of people City, trying to United get a decision 2011 yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And, um, a lot of people wanted to get money out of politics or they wanted publicly funded elections where a lot of the conversations and a lot of the time when you, when I hear that kind of stuff, I, I go the other way mm-hmm. hard and I'm thinking, okay, well, how can we get more money in politics or how can we get money to the people that don't necessarily have right, the right. newcomers, you know, because you know, the, the DNC and the, uh, the GOP or the parties, they have the binders full of donors already, right, and right. they get, you know, they get put in front of a candidate and say, here, this is your call time today. But if you're a new guy, you don't have any of that. So, you know, one of the So I mean, well, what ends up happening
0: is the best route into it is having a massive bank account yourself. Yeah. So that you can loan a first campaign to be successful.
1: Which is not the worst way to do it. Right, if, but know. it
0: also doesn't give you a representative, you know, demographic. You that's how we end up with like the vast majority of the four hundred and thirty five people in Congress being
1: millionaires. millionaires. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah and that's kind of the case actually in the Lee county areas. It, it kind of after Trey Radel got in trouble mm-hmm. for, um you know it ended up being like a self-funded candidate self-funded candidate. you know it was um Kurt Claussen was a basketball player and then Rooney uh, Francis Rooney, yeah, yeah, Rooney. so right. um so my idea was, and as I said, I kept getting closer to these election systems and servers and, and thinking I could do a better job because the FEC was a mess back then it's since been updated. But um, I I thought, okay, well, maybe if I can get money into the hands of the people that really need it, the the self, the starters, the the people who are just getting into it, that might offset some of this. And Mm -hmm. so I started, you know, pulling down as many donor lists as I can, um, working with different organizations, finding out, you know, what I can do um, within the that's legal because you can't just pull a list down from the FEC.gov and start selling it, you know. But you can do things, run it through algorithms, add stuff to it, take stuff out of it. And now it's a whole new list and you can. It's your own. Mm-hmm. So that's what I started doing um, on an individual basis for a candidate here and a candidate there. And eventually, as I said, Trey Radle's people were out of work, <laughs> the people that helped them get right, elected. Right. So, um, you know, um, I started working with them on bringing this to, like, a wider audience. And it ended up being an app that they they, they were able to, you know, bring to market, you know, the donor decks. And, you know, you put it on your phone and find out, you know, what – what donor base aligns with your interests and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, and so that was in New York. I was still in New York at that time, um, working on campaigns. And eventually I, uh, I lost a campaign where I put a lot of my eggs in that basket, <laughs> sold my car and went to New York city worked on the campaign. And then, th- you know, it didn't work out. Um, had it worked out who knows, but it didn't. And I was like, oh well, um, I need to reset. I have family down in Florida. What kind of like, race was that for? Uh, comptroller. Okay. Which is like the, um, the tre- treasurer. They the accountant. The, the, the accountant for the city. Yeah. And the big thing that they do in New York City is like invest the. Um, yes, they invest
0: uh, the massive portfolio. For, of, yeah, yeah. Uh, of like retirement funds mm-hmm. and stuff like that. It's Pension huge. funds and all yeah. those things, yeah.
1: So um, I was hoping to get a, 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 like a lobbying job with a bank mm. <laughs> after that race. It would have made sense. And I was actually interviewing for it at the same time but they lost interest as soon as that. So, um, you know, I, I, licked my wounds down to Florida and, um, met my wife down here and just planted our roots. Um, you know, as things, uh, I, I just, one candidate at a time, like I said, I was working with uh, one candidate at a time and then, um, eventually started working with uh, um, a candidate who did really well with the donor program actually. And a lot of attention was drawn to it. And that's when things took off um, for me, but- uh, So you moved up to Bradenton, what? So as I, uh, I got into law school and I was in the Lee County area still. And um, so that's pretty far actually. Cause I, went, I got into Cooley, which is the Tampa Bay mm-hmm. area. And, and so it was like a two hour drive almost every day. And so every. And sem- like a,
0: isn't it a Michigan based school that has a law school in Florida, though? Yeah. Right? Yeah.
1: Right. I, I, I don't. I don't know how these things work. Yeah. Bought, <laughs> it's, it's this
0: weird setup where it's, it's a Michigan based school, but they have a Tampa based law program. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It actually worked out really well for me because I already had a few kids by the time I was applying. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's, it's hard to get into a traditional law program with kids. Oh, definitely. Um, so every semester I would try to move a little bit closer. And uh, I I ended up in Bradenton eventually, and it was beautiful. We loved it. It was, like, not too far. It wasn't too close, not too far. Um, Mm -hmm. And So what year was that that you moved here? 2020, I moved to Bradenton. 2019, we're in Parrish, actually. So So Manatee County. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it was a little closer because Parrish was a little further Mm -hmm. north. But we eventually ended up, um, you know, we're like, it's time to buy a house. The interest rates are perfect. And um, so we pulled the trigger. And that's how we got to Bradenton. Um, yeah. And, and um, we have family here. The, our kids have cousins. But, you know, this is going to get into, can I start talking about yeah, the stuff I want? Because, you know, um, they live right down the road, 10 minutes up Manatee. But I would never want them to get on their bicycles and go down Manatee Avenue mm-hmm. because traffic is so bad. Right? Um, and the, these are all the little things. Like I said, the garbage, the traffic, that, that really make a... Lack of sidewalks. <laughs> lack of sidewalks. Um, and lack of, like, morale... Raising like, uh, like the pirate pirate spanners are great, right? But there's nothing that like uh, for the state of Florida or the city of Bradenton that really pirates are from Pittsburgh, you know? I right. know. <laughs> so it's like it's like Cooley. It's like this. We should have our own thing. So there's like a lot of little things that that uh, drove me to jump into this race. But once I got into the race, it's really when I started to discover there's big things that are kind of wrong here. Conflicts of interest and, um, you know, developers seem to be pulling the strings more so than, like, it it, it becomes questionable, right, ethically. City of
0: Bradenton certainly has its challenges. One of them being, and one of the most frustrating parts covering it, is you don't have a really engaged constituency. Uh, You don't have a lot of public engagement, not anywhere near the percentage that you have in the county. So with the county, you have... Manatee County, I think, is blessed with a fairly large population of government watchdog types that show up at county meetings, that ask the questions, that pull public records, that at least make the effort to hold people accountable. The city has had much less of that, Mm -hmm. and I think it's made it very easy for some of these less savory relationships to fly under the radar and get more and more deeply
1: entrenched. 100%. But I think part of that is because they don't have meetings at night anymore so it's that, that's it's one of the arguments they also to, don't televise their meetings yeah and they don't stream them no and, and
0: you get it, they put them up on youtube the following it's like monday how do
1: you cre- how do you be a watchdog right in that environment right. you know uh, so I, I get it because i've had to take time off to go to those meetings mm-hmm. and you know i see other people doing the same thing um so it, yeah there's not a lot of people there i know bill sanders
0: out. is uh city councilman has been making an effort to try to get the city to stream the meetings and get them up. You know, if you, if you live stream them, then they go up automatically it's right crazy afterwards. how easy it Yes. Would be. And he said, you know, one almost gets the feeling they don't want public that's engagement. The
1: yeah. And then when he starts making good points, they almost kick him out of the chamber.
0: Right, <laughs> right.
1: It is, it is difficult. So, yeah.
0: um, you know, you, you've got, you've got a situation and one of the things that's been brought up several times is, you know, that kind of circle where NDC construction seems to get every single contract that goes before the city. Yeah. They get a lot of favorable change orders on consent agendas, which you know a lot of other contractors complain allows them to underbid because they yeah. always know they're going. Nobody's gonna yeah. you know lift the, lift a finger when or, or bat an eye when they say, hey, it's gonna cost more than that down the road, or they expand the project. Yeah. And then you have that Foley Bryant, you know, part of the circle where Foley Bryant, this big massive, you know, uh, law firm, uh, they have all kinds of stuff in there. I think they have architecture design all all, all kinds of uh, uh, enterprises and great company, great firm, but they also often represent municipal governments and they have been the uh, firm for the city of Bradenton for a long time. And uh, they're representing NDC almost all the time. And you have this sort of thing where, hey, you know, and then, it bears mentioning that your opponent's husband is an attorney or senior partner at that firm as well. Um, So you have a lot of these things where you look at it and you're like, well, there there seems to be a lot of incentive to just keep the good times rolling uh, rather than, you know, necessarily saying, Hey, let's make sure we're getting the best for the public dollar every time.
1: And that's going to be an issue that's coming up with the sale of city hall. Yes. which I don't know if the timing's right. Like I get the vision right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's waterfront property, and we want to build up our downtown corridor, and we want to connect Lecom Park and, like, make it a real city, but, um, like, our interest rate's going to be great in the next few years, or these are little questions that are, you know, maybe bigger questions that I have, but also, okay, now we need to relocate, right, the police station mm-hmm. and City Hall. Now we're talking about tens of millions of dollars. Right, we're when they're going to make 10 million dollars. Well, that, that becomes I mean, the, that becomes the
0: big question is, you know, the city has said, you know, we think it's worth about $10 million. And Bill brought mm-hmm. up it cost almost $10 million in 1998. What piece of property on the river has anybody built in 1998 mm-hmm. that hasn't tripled in value?
1: Yeah, and you look at it, properties that are, are similar and they're double. Yeah. yeah or more, more. And
0: then you look and you say, where did the first interest for an offer come from? Oh, yeah, that same developer. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and by the way, that same developer then said, I'd also like to... Uh, build your new city hall. And I've got a great idea. I'm going to buy this building over here and oh I'm going to build up on top of it.
1: And he's the landlord for right. the times. Oh wait, Harold, the, the Herald, Harold.
0: <laughs> Herald. Sorry. Um,
1: Sorry about that. Oh, um, um, <laughs> for the Bradenton Herald, which is like already has a reputation for being chummy with them right, and just right. doing the grip and grins and not really the dirty work. Right. So, um, so, you know, where's the outrage? Because, you know, uh, the county administrator, the former one, right, bought uh, land across from Lena. Yes. And it was $32 million. And there's a ton of conservative outrage, right? Well, this deal is going to be a lot worse. Mm-hmm. It's going to cost the taxpayers a lot more. Well, and that, you know, that they don't have permission for the outrage from the developers. That so bears
0: mentioning is that, you know, where that Lena Road outrage came from, it was generated by developers. Yeah, developers, because they had plans for yes. that. Yes. Yeah. And, and it and was, hey, we point, wanted is, to buy it off you. And we want to sour this deal now, yeah. and when they couldn't. But one thing I'll say, and uh, you know, listen, I'm I'm someone who probably if there's a if there's a natural bias, it's that yeah, government. If if you come and tell me government's doing something shady, I'm probably leaning in that direction because yeah. I've just seen it so much. So when I looked at that deal, I was like, okay, I'm I'm very interested. You know, thirty two million dollars is a lot of yeah. money. Let's look at it. And as I looked at it, I was like, actually. I think we got a really good value. When you look at the property we got, the property we needed in the future, what those future land prices probably would have been. And that was before, and that, that's why this bears re- re- revisiting, that was before land prices went skyrocketing. Right, yeah. So that now those people... It's interesting that you have people like Kevin Van Austenbridge bringing that up again and saying, oh, you wasted $32 million. Whoa, wait a minute. What did she you look us? like a genius now <laughs> buying that for $32 million because really now we got to think, yeah, we only needed a third of it right now, but oh yeah, we would have needed the additional share of space. We would have needed The additional utility space. We would have needed all that eventually at tomorrow's prices, which nobody knew were about to just go the through insane. the roof. Yeah. yeah.
1: And I, I like, like I said, I I like what they're doing out there. So you know, and she had the foresight. I don't know if she knew this was coming. I don't think so. But you know, it was it was a good deal. Well, when, when, when you, you say good.
2: she, are you referring to sure. the former county administrator? So yeah, am that, I misunderstanding this? Which I might be. I might be too. She, <laughs> uh, administrator Corrier did not buy that land. Like that was how does that work so does the it, administrator negotiate for that and the board approves it here's what happens um
0: the previous administrator at hunziker okay had recommended that the county start looking for land uh opportunities in east county because of the rapid development that was happening out there and looking forward and that was one thing you know i had a lot of issues with some of hunziker's policies and and the way he he administered administrated but uh, one of the things he was very good at was having long-term vision, and he looked and said, "You know, hey, we're going to get to a point real quick that as this development builds up, it's just going to be so inefficient to be sending people from like the GT Bray facility right. out to East County and losing forty-five minutes of paying somebody in a truck when when you know we could be sending from out there and the efficiency." Of how much will get done if we're not spending so much time on crowded roads and adding to the to the traffic issues. So uh, we need to start preparing for a future in which all those rapidly developing places are going to need services like utilities and and uh, you know additional landfills. Which buying landfill space is really, really hard that you mm-hmm. can find the environmentally suitable place oh, yeah. where you're going to be able to build it and, and, and someone around you isn't going to say, right. you know, no, not near my house. So buying space adjacent to your own landfill is always a good idea because you've already got it there. You've yeah. already, the surrounding landowners are are less inclined and less able to make a sound argument when they've been, just because you're expanding the operation and they've, they've already been living next to it. Um, but the... So he recommended it. The elected board at that time gave direction to move forward with it. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike Gore, who's head of utilities, was put as the point man uh, on that particular property because it was going to be mostly utilities-based, and did the, nego- the initial you know, uh, outreach to the property owners. And their uh, land um, acquisition team, which in fact... Oh God! The last name that one of the people just resigned. Yep. Joy, uh, uh, Joy Jewett. Yes, yes, Joy Jewett, who was fabulous. In fact, she was one of the people that eagerly gave me a presentation on that purchase because she was one of the people that uh, had the appraisal and everything done and was was sort of on the point of all their land acquisitions. So when they get right-aways, when the county goes out and does eminent domain takings, any of those things, she and her team were the people that that did all of that stuff, that had expertise there. And she was like, listen, sit down, ask us anything, grill us. I'm eager to tell you why we felt this was a great value. Nobody came to us and said, you know, hey, this is my cousin or this is my friend or I'm getting a kick. She goes, it was, how, do, how are we going to get this done? And we were like, look, this is the only parcel. You're not finding one that big. And if we go and get this piecemeal, it's going to be way more expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on top of it, when you get things piecemeal, what you tend to end up doing is getting for what you need now and then outgrowing that later. She goes, so, yes, could we have gotten smaller like, like the sheriff said? Yes, I could use less, less acres than you're giving me right now. She said, sure. But what about seven years later when he says, yeah, but now I need more than that? Well, what are you going to do? Are you going to sell that one and then go and try to build right. a completely bigger one? Or do you want to have a footprint that you can expand outwardly? And I think one of the things that we've learned in Manatee County with traffic is that if you don't have a vision that, hey, it's growing constantly and it doesn't seem like that's going to stop, if you instead say, what do we need right now? Then you paint yourself into a corner. Mm. So the amount of vision that was, was included in that deal, um, I think was great. So at that point then... The board votes several times in that process, and and Sherry Corrier uh, comes in and takes over Fred Hunziker, who retires. And when that happens, um, the the deal is presented back to the county. Here's what we've negotiated. Here's what we have. This is what we can purchase this land for. And the duly elected commission voted for it. Mm -hmm. I think it was 6-1 or 7-0. It was not like it was contentious. I I think one of the votes were 5-2, the last one.
2: Well, and I appreciate you kind of laying out a little bit of the process because I see, and that's been my understanding all along yes. was Sherry
0: that. Sherry Corrier's, like, actual role, not to say that she didn't, like, do work, but her actual role in that process was infinitesimal. Right. It was administrative for something that had started prior from a previous administrator under a previous board and continued through her administration and a new board, right? Some of the same people, but a new board, and... She literally could not do anything but allow the people under her that were working on that project. Who had been directed to yes, do so to continue, by the board. Yes, to continue <laughs> to follow the directive, giving them the by the board. So really, like, the, the idea that she could have in any way said, hold the press, we're not buying this, um, is, like, non-existent. So important to remember as well.
1: So And in, in, like I said, in the, the developers gave per permission for people to be outraged on yes, that deal. Yes. And so there they was spent money and they to, to and you know, still, advertise. And we're still seeing the outrage, yes. and it's yes. amazing. Um, but like I said, we're not going to have that outrage for City Hall because the developers want this. Right, this exactly. So there isn't going to
0: be the big glossy yeah. uh, direct mail pieces going out no. saying boondoggle they're yeah. going to be saying be
1: hush, the hush opposite yeah it's, it's going to be, be oh we're going to put this back on the
0: tax rolls and we're yeah. going to you know make a lot of money Not you know and, and the numbers are turning around now are, are starting so to
1: low right <laughs> so and
0: even low. those numbers though are starting to look like wait a minute so we might come out 20 million in the hole on this yeah I, and and which means probably
1: 35 or 40 Yo, it, i mean if they're really underplaying or the the amount of uh money it takes to build a police station that 10 or 20 would be nice but you can google and see what florida you know tends to build police stations for it 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 gets up there towards 100 Mm -hmm. you know closer to you know 75 100 than it is to 10 or 20. yeah which
2: we and we
0: don't even have a site for that
2: i was gonna say and that's not accounting for needing somewhere to like to be able to put it somewhere and then the cost of the piece where it's going (laughs) if it's not already owned by the
1: city exactly and so it, it, you know there's going to be a lot of money and there's not going to be a lot of outrage
2: because there's and, you know and back to your point on current no land generating it. yeah no yes generator. and then, and
1: then
0: yeah. where where are you going to buy that kind of yeah. footprint for that and at what cost yeah especially if if your waterfront <laughs> property is only worth a pittance of 10 million maybe we should stay I, there if I buy it? Right. <laughs> buy Maybe it we should low? stay there <laughs> if it's really worthless, as you know, it's worth as little as they're saying, and everything else is so expensive. Then I guess stay on the water. I guess riverfront property isn't valuable
1: after all. <laughs> ridiculous.
2: Stuff. That must be the secret because I just saw a house, fifteen hundred square feet in Bayshore Gardens, not on the water, for like a half a million right, dollars, right. and it ain't even fancy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Did he I have uh, three boats, two cars, and was, <laughs> <there> <laughs> boats, and was uh, and an airplane? Sure. Yeah,
1: an, airplane. <laughs> and an airplane. I don't need your money. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, and and actually, what they're gonna do, what they're planning on doing with City Hall, I don't hate the most because it, it kind of feels like retrofitting, or they're building, they're trying to do something with something they already have, right? Because the idea of developing more space and, and ruining the environment, you know, where there's some green space, that I, like. Developers and, and builders they, they want you to think that Bradenton's nice because they made it nice, but the truth is it's nice because God made it nice. It's the environment and the unique location that makes it nice. So like we need to kind of you know throttle like, pull back on on all the development. And I think you know building on top of a building that's already been built um, might it, it, that excites me more than just building a new building, because it, it, there's some constraints there. As a guy, I like to like puzzles and building stuff mm-hmm. and figuring out um, you know solutions to problems and that. Uh, that's something I don't hear enough about. I don't think is retrofitting um, mm-hmm. what we already have, but using what we already have, working with that instead of just developing a new 1,000 units or 10,000 units, and then you know not even getting the workforce housing, you know that we would be entitled to because we just don't enforce that. It doesn't make sense. We
0: don't enforce that, and then we don't enforce any kind of vision. You know, one I think very um, very viable knock on the city over the last ten years is that. You know, it's it, it's hit this part where the you know the previous sort of you know lesser attractive property east of three hundred one near the riverfront and everything that was a little bit more you know industrial and lower end residential and not seen as attractive you know for thirty or forty years while while the part west of that closer to Old Main was was you know prime locations uh, has now been largely built out with. With new uh, condos and and different things, storage facilities, storage facilities, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, that's the
1: vision that we're dealing with. Yes, here. and Strip that's the point the that so.
0: you have to look at it and say you only get one shot. Right. Like oh, I said, it about the sandpile. The sandpile was the last major piece of riverfront property in uh, city of Bradenton, and they had this wonderful vision for it. And they said, well, it's gonna, you know, we're gonna build condos with these arcades on the bottom, and we're gonna have high-end retail, and that's gonna provide the connectivity across 301. And that's going to be what ties the, the old main part of Riverwalk to this part where we're moving the Manatee players and forcing them over into that place and saying, You're gonna have all this synergy with these retail shops and it's gonna be a day out to go over there. And then as soon as they came back and said, Hey, well, I love this this phrase. In this, env- in this economic environment, we don't think that the retail's gonna work and we're not even sure, we're just gonna build some apartments, is that okay? And they're like, yeah, okay, fine, whatever. That all sounded good before. So now you have none of that uh, retail down there. You have none of that, okay, it's, it's gone. You're never gonna have it there. Um, you have a very limited opportunity for any kind of retail around that. So, and then you have the other gateway coming in from the other side, coming in from the east, where they said, oh, we're gonna have this historic gateway have a have a very cohesive um, uh, look, and it's going to respect the history of the area. It's right across from the uh, the the historical museum there, and then Dunkin' Donuts comes Dunkin in. And Donuts. Says, yeah, and they say no, we just want to build a shitty industrial. And they're like, yeah, but we'd like you to match this. And they're like, no. And they're like, okay. Yeah. They didn't go ahead. The and then when they and had, they the, they and did. when they had the opportunity down on the corner of the Village of the Arts to say, hey, we got some city-owned property here, and somebody said, hey, I want to do workforce housing, and somebody else who was maybe a, bit, a little bit better connected said, yeah, but I'd like to put up another storage facility. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And, I mean, and it's like, there's, so there's no coherent vision to say what do we want the city to look like, what kind of. You know, connectivity do we want to champion? How are we going to get McKechnie and MotorWorks and that nice little area in there connected to the downtown without that blight yeah. running through it? I have
1: some ideas on that, too, because it's not that far from downtown. No, no, yes. If
0: you incentivize that correctly yeah. to be redeveloped right, instead of just saying how could we help developers own riverfront property, the amount, what you could create in a walkable downtown from McKechnie to, the, to Riverwalk could be extremely dynamic but nobody's having a conversation about you know whether we would need
1: right what kind of incentives we need to do nobody's having any kind of conversation at all about it. i'd like to see more races um in the city of Bradenton. i think that'll actually drive awareness to these areas like a race from lecom down to city hall it's just like a mile um and then people wow, wow there's this is there's potential here maybe someone sees a, a, a uh, business that, mm-hmm. you know, they, there's a, what kind of uh, races, what are you talking about? Uh, like a 5k oh, okay. or something like that. So, something I want to see more of that around here. I'm wearing my manatee uh, fit fest shirt. None of the County leadership or city leadership attended this. <coughs> I, I'm just amazed at that because it's such a good opportunity to put yourself in front of people. Mm-hmm. It raises morale and, right, and all that right. kind of stuff. And no one was there. No kidding. And, and, yeah. And, and so, you know, I want to see that. I think it's good, especially coming out of what we just came out of the past two years. It wasn't really a conversation. I think that was a missed opportunity too to talk more about health and fitness instead of Yes. You know. Couldn't agree more. So it was never yeah, said. <laughs> it was never said. And 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 um, you know, going back to you know, the visionless kind of what we got right now, you know, Marianne Barnaby, my opponent, um, has basically been passing that seat back and forth with Gene Brown for twenty years, since ninety eight. I mean, they've had their swing and a miss. Swing and a miss. And a swing and a miss. I think it's time for someone new, you know, and there's been some new people. I like Bill. A lot. You mentioned Bill Sanders, and I think he has a mayoral look to him, you know. Um, and he, he, you know, I love the way he sounds, kind of like Colonel Sanders. I think there's right. some relation <laughs> in there, right? He, he's got, uh, he's got some of those spices, you know, from, right. the, from The Sanders family. Um, but uh, yeah, we need some some new new blood in, you know. So, what would
0: be your pitch? Because the thing that obviously I think your opponent's going to lean on is, look, I've been here forever. Uh graduated at High. I um, have served the city for a long, long time uh this guy's come here just in the last few years um he wants to make the case that he knows this city city better than me and uh what would be your pitch in terms of why voters should give you give you a shot
1: well I think the first I would say that I don't know the city better than her that would be ridiculous for me to claim that um I want to learn and I'm a fast learner too and so that's something I think that you know somebody would want and in office and someone that's going to listen to the people that haven't been listened to. I think she listens to the developers for sure. Um, but you know, when someone comes up for citizen comment, I'm not sure how locked in she is. She doesn't really add much after the citizen comments. That's, you know, she doesn't really say much. Um, so, you know, I don't claim to know everything. I've, I've really gotten my ego in check since, you know, the hacking into the 2015, 2016. Um, you know, I've gotten my stuff to my stuff together. Um, family and um, you know, consider myself a good husband and a good father. And I wouldn't be doing this if I wouldn't, you know, didn't have that in place first. And so you know, I think that's the natural progression. I don't know if you listen to Jordan Peterson or even know who he is, but he's someone who I've, um, listened to for direction in my life and, you know, get your room together. And mm-hmm. I did that, you know, and now I want to do it for Bradenton. I want to, you know, make Bradenton's bed. I want to f- figure <laughs> out that vision you know, that we haven't figured out. And there's a lot that we need to talk about. Um, are we going over? Are we, are we okay still? Or, you know, no, no, you're okay. Good. So, you know, like traffic is, you know, we're having all these conversations about traffic, but I haven't heard anybody mention this might be pie in the sky. A tunnel, you know, do we, has anybody discussed how much tunnels cost? Do we know how much a tunnel would, you know, cost to go from the Bradenton side to the uh, Ellington Palmetto side? You know, it's about 10, 15 million dollars, but it's something that you don't hear much about. Even though it's a solution, like I said, you know, pie under this underground, maybe. <laughs>
0: But um, well, you know, the bears mentioning that the city of Brayton owns a lot of the failures traffic wise because I've said this many times that, for example, when three hundred one was built, and you know where it comes down at the Red Barn right there, yeah, and redeposits it on mm-hmm. on on the uh, thoroughfare, that was never supposed to be that way. That was supposed to the new three hundred one. Its original designs were to go right over the Manatee River, almost all the way out to seventy five and two seventy five. That would have been a wonderful way to get traffic from sarasota up north that didn't make it go through our central corridor or downtown palmetto and city of bradenton shut that down because they wanted the traffic to drop off before the city thinking that sitting in a massive traffic jam was somehow good for downtown business it's just become like 75 yeah many
1: 75 well
0: (laughs) even here like on a friday for example i can't go out on that we're right by that that deposit there and so the the most sense it makes to me to Go toward downtown distance-wise is to come up, uh, turn left at Firkins and, and take that where they where those two roads merge. But it's gridlocked yeah. for blocks. Like as soon as you turn off the red light, you're just sitting there for 20 minutes. So I've got to snake through the other streets to get around it. Um, and then the city also blocked. Uh, in fact, when our publisher, Joe McClash, was on the board, he wanted to... Buy a lot of the right-of-ways, like for example, where the current Starbucks is across from the hospital, when that was vacant property, he wanted to buy it as, a, as a, so that we had the right-of-ways for that future flyover cool. lanes. Where the Walgreens is across the street was vacant, he said, "Let's buy that as well. Let's buy it in uh, you know early two thousands prices, and then sit on it so that when we need to go over the central corridor to move traffic east and west, because that's really." You know, unless you do something really dynamic like a tunnel, the only real answer is flyovers on on either side. So flyovers over the river, or some sort of graded elevated traffic over the river, and then flyovers over the downtown corridor for people trying to get out the interstate that don't need to be mm-hmm. st- stuck by the people trying to get <laughs> on the north south <laughs> of three hundred one. And great- yeah, and it was always <laughs> yeah. the city of Brighton saying we don't want flyovers because they create blight and they're going to make they're going to kill downtown businesses. And it's like, look you're taking old, outdated, urban, uh, uh, you know, idioms and and applying them to to a time and place where they don't really exist. You know, look at Tampa. Tampa has done with elevated uh, roadways, they have made it a pleasure to get around a yeah. really populous city, I mean, when you, St. Pete, same way, St. Pete and Tampa, you can get in and out and around that's places. A really good except for the, you know, you have the obviously the bridge and the airport there, um, but otherwise, that east to west and uh, corridor in either city is all done with elevated
1: lanes, and it's super easy to get back and forth. And that's something I, you know, I, I don't know if it's. Something that we could do, and, and um, well, I wanted to say this, too, is, is, you know, you almost need, remember those guides to get around Disney? Yeah, you know, yeah. They only need that for Bradenton. Okay, I can't leave my house at like four or right, six. Right, right. You know, and if I do, I have to take the back roads yep. because this is the only way I'm going to get around. But, um, yeah, I mean, that those, I haven't even thought about that, the, the what, what do you call those, the high roads? Or right, the, elevated. You know, elevated right. roads is, you know, um, do we want that? Because Manatee, you know, from the downtown corridor out to the island, it's just like a, it's like a runway. And there's nothing there. I mean, it, it, people can't really cross. So, you know, how do you want to do that? I mean, there's two ways to really accomplish that, right? You can go over or under. But, like, we're not talking about any of it. Or, you know, how do we make it less or more palatable, like not like a runway? Maybe we can put some of those uh, Marooder flags up or, or something. I know I don't want to spend too much taxpayer money. But I do want it to look nicer than it, it, than it does currently look. And, you know, my opponent's had years and years. You know, she recently appointed, you know. I don't want to take that away from her. But she's been in there in some way, shape, or form since 98. And it's really just been um, uh, a, a huge proponent for the developers, is what she's been. And I kind of want to just, I want to flip that script. I want to be a proponent for people. I mean, I don't, I don't know, um, how many listeners know Rodney Jones? But he is a person who goes to the city council meetings from the village of Bradenton, and and. They ignore him like a lot and so much so that uh, Councilman uh, Roth had to apologize. I don't know if I'm contributing to this, but I'm sorry, Mr. Jones, because, you know, the, the truth is Ward 1 and 2 are really well taken care of, but mm-hmm. 3, 4, and 5 need some help. And that's, you know, I'm running in 2, but I'm really not, you know, 100% focused there. I want to divvy up my focus in a way that makes sense. And so maybe it's, you know, 30% here, 30% there, 20, something like that. But, um, yeah, uh, I really find it almost disrespectful that you can go to any city in the country and go to Martin Luther King uh, Boulevard, and it's just decrepit. And count on it being a blighted neighborhood. And and it's almost like, uh, you know, we're still sticking it to you. And um, I think that's wrong. And that's something I want to improve on, too. You know, and it would be – here's the thing. When you have something that's really – you know, nice, and, and it's not. It's hard to imp- continue to improve on it, right? And that's like Ward One and Two. But you have something like you know that where it's more blighted. It doesn't take a lot of work, right? Right. <laughs> to, to
0: make it. There's a, just not a, a lot nicer. of incentive or emphasis
1: there. Yeah. There's um. There's one stretch. There's a bunch of churches around it. There's the railroad cuts through it. Oh, over by the AME the, church, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it was. I mean, negligence is putting it nicely. Yeah. Because the city
0: has very much, and I know that this is something Glen Gim- Belina has. Uh, really gotten on them about is that they're for some reason extremely conservative in their use of code enforcement to condemn blighted properties i mean he sent me pictures of houses where he's like look this is near a church this is across the street from a church it is rat infested it is falling down and the city said no that's that's not out of code we're not going to demo it We're working with the landlord to 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 get everything worked out. And uh, when I mean, he sent me one that was so awfully dilapidated, and said, "If this is not a condemnation, what is? Like, what if you're not going to tear this down? What would you actually raise? Because it's it's a blight on the neighborhood. And uh, that's something the county's done better. So I think the city could use code enforcement
1: uh, in in a much more aggressive way for the right reasons. And and that's another thing is cutting red tape. I, I think that would help too. And that's something that I want to do um, where I can. I know I'm just one guy and you have one vote. There's five votes. Right. But if I can, you know, get rid of laws that don't make sense or it, streamline things where they can be streamlined, um, I'd like to see that happen too. Um, someone else I also look up to is Elon Musk, who's been on the record for saying like laws are too long. They don't make sense. And, you know, they're hard to understand. And I think that's, you know... Okay, we can keep saying that, or we, you know, someone can get in there and do something. And if I can, I'd like to try to do that. I, we have laws in the books, like panhandling laws that they were just crafted a few years ago and don't work clearly they at all. Yeah, yeah, you know. And, um,
0: and the police will tell you, well, we can't do it because of this, and the statute says this. Yeah. And, and it's like, okay, so it hasn't changed anything then, basically? Unless, unless, my understanding is, unless you're out blocking traffic in the street, you're not going to do anything.
1: Yeah, and and it's it's like okay, we got Dunkin' Donuts is the entrance to the one, and then we got the the homeless toll collectors on the other end of Bradenton. Right. It's not a great look, right, right? And then the storage facility is right yep. there. I don't know. I just want to give the homeless guys some shovels and say, dig a tunnel under the bridge. <laughs> you know, I don't know. That's a terrible idea too. But um, no, there's only two tunnels in the state of Florida. I thought that was interesting. And it's not like being close to the water table means that you can't dig. Most tunnels are going underwater, so. Mm-hmm. It's an option. It's something that we can look at. Um, and it's just, you know, it, it, it's different. It's, it's something that I, I might, you know, consider. So I guess a, that's department. the real pitch
0: there is if you think the city is mired in an old way of doing things and one way of thinking and you want some thinking outside the box, your campaign would be uh, yeah. someone to look at. Where can our listeners learn more about you? you have a website? LevinforBradenton.com. L-E-V-I-N for Bradenton.com. Uh check out David Levin. Is it Levin or Levin? Levin. Levin? Levin. Check out David Levin. Um running again for City Council in Bradenton Ward Two. Those races are contested citywide, though, right? Citywide. So Anybody who is a uh yes, yeah, so they're not affiliated with with any particular government. They're contested in August. Um do no. Um they're in November. August. Oh no, they're in November now. That's right. They were in August. My my uh my mistake. They were that was changed a few years ago because the turnout was so low. So instead of being a runoff Uh, August with the runoff. It's one race in November. So David Levin and Marianne Barnaby are the only ones in the race right Right now. now. And uh, qualification is just about up, so it's unlikely that we're going to see anybody else. Uh, David, we wish you the best of luck. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Go check them out and check us out this and every Sunday at the BradentonTimes.com. fact-based news and analysis without an agenda.